0: Welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited to have Samantha Hoylett here with us today. So Samantha, tell us a little bit about yourself and your work.
1: Yeah. So like you said, my name is Samantha Hoylett. I'm a launch copywriter and messaging strategist, and I love helping my clients just get super clear on who they are, what they do, and communicating the value of working with them, both in their messaging and their copy.
0: You and I actually met through one of my former clients who introduced us, and then you and I have actually collaborated on a workshop, which was about a year ago, and I was just reviewing it. It was a pretty great workshop. We did well. Good job.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're great.
0: (laughs) So we're just going to kind of sum up some of that that we talked about last year, and then we'll also just introduce a ton of the newest things that you're thinking about in terms of messaging and copy. So I think that's a really good place for us to start. What do you mean when you say messaging and copy? Can you define that?
1: This is such a good question, and it's a really important distinction. So, I'll tell a little story that basically, as a launch copywriter, I had clients coming to me being like, you know, I have this great offer, this great product, this great service, but I just don't know how to communicate the value of working with me. And I was like, that's great. That's actually a messaging problem because messaging is kind of the underlying strategy of communicating what your offer is and why somebody would want it. And then copy is like, okay, now that we have that messaging kind of outlined, how do we deliver it in a way that really grabs attention and like builds that desire and demand to work with you? I like to say that messaging is like the fuel and copy is the car. You have to have the fuel in the car to make it all go. (laughs) So that's how it all kind of ties together. Okay, I love that. And
0: so messaging you're saying should come first.
1: Yeah. I would say messaging is like that underlying strategy that kind of makes your copy actually work. Because you can have the snazziest, most clever copy. But if it doesn't have that strategy of like, why does somebody actually want this? And what do they actually get out of it? And what problem does it solve for them? That's where your messaging comes into play.
0: Okay. Perfect. And then I think another word we're for sure going to use a lot is content. How do you define that in your business?
1: Ooh, interesting. I would say content is kind of it's like the language of your business. It's like the way that you're showing up. And that can be anything from things like this, this podcast to creating blogs, social media posts. It's kind of the, the pieces that kind of show, especially online, that your business is working, is communicating, and is connecting with your ideal clients.
0: Okay, okay perfect. So that was our workshop. It was how to take action on your content. Back in the day, because what we were both finding was that people procrastinate on their content all the time. It becomes a huge source of pressure and angst and anxiety for people and their businesses. And yet every single business owner is doing content in some way, shape, or form.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like there's a lot of pressure these days Um, in the online world. We're just so connected. Everyone's always looking for that latest social media post, that latest blog you have to share you know, newest LinkedIn posts, there's like so much pressure to not just be in front of your audience, but just like consistent about the message that you're delivering and what you're saying to your audience.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to talk a little bit about how to release that pressure and practical strategies for how to actually not just tolerate content creation, but enjoy it. That's going to be huge. But before we get into that, I think it would be interesting to talk more about the symptoms of when you know that you have a content
1: or copy issue
0: and you're struggling, what do you see when
1: people come to you? I would say that there's a lot of fear around like perfectionism. There's a lot of fear around, again, like not effectively communicating like what you do and who it's for. Because I feel like that's where it starts to unravel because you start attracting people who aren't... A good fit for you, or like I've had people they come to me, oh, you're a copywriter. Like, can you write X, Y, Z? And I'm like, no, it's actually not what I do. And so, like that kind of problem manifests in other people's businesses of like making sure that you're communicating to the right people, and that fear that you're not.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That was actually one of the things I was thinking about. Is I unknowingly used to write to all of my client. We'll just call them worst fit clients, like people who didn't actually want what I had to offer. And so I spent so much time trying to convince them that they did in fact want my offer when they didn't. (laughs) And when I finally realized that I was doing that, I could pull myself out and just start focusing on who already wants this offer. How can I speak to that person, my best fit clients? And so I found that I had to do way, way, way less convincing because people were already primed. Is that your experience as well?
1: Definitely. And I feel like that's where we should live in that space of like the person who already knows what we do already kind of wants it on some level. Then we can focus our energy on just saying, here's how I help. Here's where I fit into your goals. I'm a perfect next step. And that's how I like to position my clients. Like not a silver bullet, just a perfect next step. That thought
0: right there, when I hear it as a business owner takes off so much pressure. So thank you for that. Because I'm like, I know I've gotten into the space where I'm like, they have to have this for the rest of their life. And this is the one thing they need. And then I put pressure on myself. I put pressure on them. So I love the thought. Just the next step. That's so good.
1: Yeah. And I think it's important because like, it's just acknowledging the reality. Your ideal clients have tried stuff before and they're going to try stuff after you. We are just a part of their journey. We're just a part of like getting them to where they want to go. And realizing like it's our job in like whatever specialty you're in is to just provide that little piece of specialty that's going to get them closer. Right. It's like we don't have to like put the whole (laughs) weight of the world on our shoulders on our services because our services are not meant to achieve everything. They're meant to achieve one clear thing. And that's part of your messaging as well, is like being super clear on what that is. That's
0: so important. The other thing I was thinking about when you said that is. One of the reasons I think people feel so tortured so often about <laughs> content is because their focus is on them and their words and their story. And I think you alluded to something super important, which is flipping to how is this about the client in front of me or the potential client? I call it the spotlight. And like, the spotlight can either be on me. And usually that's when I suffer because I'm <laughs> tortured over saying the right thing. Or the spotlight can be on the client. And then it takes me out of myself and it makes me just able to focus on their needs.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like when we... I love how you said spotlight because I think that's so true. It's like when the spotlight is on your client, it takes all that pressure away. Of Like, well, what do they need to hear today? What questions are they asking themselves today? And like, what can I do to just like be a part of that conversation? Because that's how you start to build that trust, that awareness around what you do. And again, like getting people excited to work with you. So it all kind of ties together and I feel like the pressure doesn't have to be there. If you look at, you know, what conversations are you already having with your clients? You know, maybe you had a consult call today. What questions came up for them? And how can you share that in your content today? There's almost not a need to invent ideas. The ideas are kind of all around you and it's about knowing where to look to like pick them out.
0: Knowing where to look to pick them out. I love that. <laughs> Absolutely. I always say, I'm like, you just have to pay attention. That is copy and content is just paying attention.
1: It really is. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Okay. So let's talk though a little bit more about the symptoms. So like how the specific ways that people suffer when it comes to content creation. I'll say one of them that I heard a lot is so many ideas, but not actually executing on any of them. What are the other things that you have heard about?
1: I would say... I think that just that feeling of like every piece of content has to create a result. And it's really thinking about it. How do you see that? I think people just say like, okay, so for example, sending emails to your email list. People feel like, oh, I only send one email a week or one email a month. This has to be game-changing email that simultaneously connects with people, engages people, gets people to buy. And it puts so much pressure... And it's actually like when you just get in the habit of actually connecting with your audience more frequently, maybe you send 2 emails a week. But actually, it has an inverse effect because you actually are feel less pressure because you're like, oh, if I don't get it right on Tuesday, I'll get it right on Thursday. You have more opportunities to connect and it actually just takes the pressure away when you know that there's going to be another time that you can reach out to people.
0: That is a really good way because I know a lot of people have, are self-conscious about sending tons of emails or posting too much on social media, which is, again, when we're focused on ourselves, right? We're worried about the repercussions for us. But I love that idea of being like, it actually helps everybody. It gives them more exposure to my work, but it also takes the pressure off of me because I'm just creating opportunities. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. And I think like, just like also just changing the idea of like what your goals are, like if you just sit down today and you're like, I'm just trying to like start a conversation for me, that's what I'm always thinking about. How can I start a conversation with my community? How can I just like engage them and like really tap into what's going on in their world. And again, just like just trying to inject myself in a way that's helpful. I think that takes the pressure off too.
0: Yes. This pressure, like so much of it. I just call it like the pressure gauge. We can just release the pressure gauge and make it so much easier on ourselves
1: as business owners.
0: One of the other things that I hear a lot from people is they create content in some way for their clients, but they're not creating it for their own business. Do you hear that too?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that ties into the other thing I was going to say about you can repurpose, right? So like, let's say you are swamped with client work, you are swamped and you really feel like you don't have time. Like, Again, like just look at the body of work that you've created and look for those gems that you can share again and again. I think there's um, just tying into that, like, you know, people who they do it for their clients, but not for themselves. I recommend looking for those shortcuts. So, like, where can I repurpose? Where can I rephrase or like bring this? Topic back up to life. And this is a good distinction between like evergreen content versus like time sensitive content, I guess. So if you are in a business that's creating content around a holiday, okay, that's only going to be relevant then. But that's why it's important to when you do create content, having that balance of topics that are going to be timeless for your audience, right? So if you're an accountant, if you're only creating content around tax season, it's like, okay, well, People don't care about that until it's tax season. But ask, answering basic questions like, what's a 1099 versus a W-2? like Those are questions that people are always going to have all year every time they bring on an, a new person for their team. So I would say like look for those topics that are always going to be coming up.
0: The repurposing thing is so big. And I think about my bare minimum challenge, which is about essentially... Doing the bare minimum, but getting equal or better results because you're cutting out all of the fluff and you're just focusing on what's most important. And repurposing is such a good example of doing the bare minimum. You've already created the value. Guarantee there's people in your audience who are new or just weren't paying attention, who haven't been exposed to it,
1: or someone who needs to hear it again.
0: And so just letting it be super easy.
1: Yeah, definitely. Because I I just... Again, it takes the pressure off. And like what I like to remind my clients is this feeling... I think social media creates this feeling of I have to be brand new and exciting every time. And I like to remind them, like, unless you are a content creator who is literally paid to be novel and interesting, you're a business owner, which means you have a standard set of services that you are promoting. And that means there is just a baseline of content that you need to be creating. Content that shows who you are, what you do, and how people can work with you. That's really it. And once we simplify it to that, again, it just takes away this feeling of like having to create something new and interesting. You can always like tell a little story about what you're working on today or just tying in your life, what projects you're working on, just to like freshen it up. But at the end, so long as it's valuable to your audience, you can keep sharing it over and over. I think we just found
0: our episode title, which is Taking the Pressure Off of Content Creation. (laughs) We've said it like five times now. It's perfect. Yeah. (laughs) It's great. (laughs) Okay. Awesome. So we've talked a little bit about some of the ways that the pressure manifests. I want to talk a little bit more about that. And then I think it would be interesting to transition into what people can expect if they love creating content. So we'll pause that for a minute. What are the other ways that the pressure shows up when people
1: come to you as clients? I think it's this feeling of, again, just like this feeling to keep up where there's just this idea of like, I have to post every day. And depending on who you listen to, some people say multiple times a day, and it's not sustainable for everybody. And there's just this idea of like, if I don't post all the time, I'm going to fall behind. I'm going to you know, not be top of mind for my clients. They'll forget about me. I'll lose momentum. These are just a lot of stories I can really weigh on. Just like, again, add additional pressure to your content creation process because you feel like you have to get it right every time, every day, just to like stay relevant. And it's, it's really challenging. I been talking
0: to other business owners about content creation recently. So mostly other coaches and we're always so surprised at the posts that end up getting the most traction.
1: So true.
0: Right. So I think that's really interesting because we might think like, oh, this is the one, right. It's the one we spend so much time and energy on. And we're like, this is the one that's going to go viral, or this is the one that's going to get tons of likes. And then that one doesn't even get touched. And then something else gets so much attention. We're like, huh, that's interesting. I did not anticipate that. I actually find that a relief because my thought is, I can't possibly anticipate what's going to happen with this. My only job is to create it.
1: Yes. Detach from the outcome or reassign the outcome. I think we, you know, if the outcome has to be go viral and get a ton of likes and comments, if that's the outcome you're attached to, you will feel disappointed and you will create that environment that makes it hard to create. I feel like it's really just about stepping back and thinking like I'm creating a body of work. Like I'm just creating a conversation and like if people comment on it, that's great. But if not, it's out there for people to at least again, just like learn more about me and the work I do. That should be the goal. And that's what you have control over.
0: I love that thought, like I'm just creating a body of work.
1: And I don't have control over
0: who sees it and when. So I think two of examples where I've had people land on my website totally out of the blue and they're like, hey, I'm ready to buy. And I'm like, never heard of you. Awesome. Let's go. <laughs> or I'll be launching and I'll be like, okay, all of my clients are going to come from this specific thing, like my email list, for example. And then I'll get a consult booked from someone. They're like, hey, I listened to your podcast episode on so-and-so's podcast from two years ago. And I'm always like, how on earth did that happen? So also being open to the magic of you're just putting work out and you have no idea how and when it will come back to you.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think that's kind of the magic of being online is that everything feels so instant. Everything feels like it disappears in 24 hours, but it doesn't. And like things like podcasts, content... Yeah, I was in a summit six months ago and somebody reached out to me being like, hey, I loved your training. I was like, what training? (laughs) And but like, that's, I love that. Yeah, being open to the different ways people can come to you.
0: Oh my gosh, I love that. It's like, it feels like it's instant and disappearing, but it's not. It actually has longevity that we're not even seeing.
1: It's like what our parents say, don't put anything online that you don't want to be there forever. (laughs) It's true, in a good way, in a good way.
0: Yes. Oh, I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So put it out there, be proud of it existing and know that it's going to come back to you at some totally unexpected time. I think this is actually a really good segue into one of the questions I have for you and I, which will help people who are not excited about content creation currently. What are your best thoughts when you sit down to write or produce content in any way?
1: Ooh, I love this question because I feel like if you have this prompt it helps so much. For me, the one that helps me the most is what does my ideal client need to hear from me today? That's it. What is going on in their life or business today? And just really thinking about it from their perspective. Are they working towards... I keep bringing up tax season. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> is it tax season? Is it, Are they crafting a brand strategy? Are they going through a rebrand? Are they opening their first brick and mortar? Like Whatever it is for your business, your ideal clients, What's going on? And how can you just say, like, how can you create something that taps into that conversation already happening for them? Because that's way better than trying to, you know, have an uphill battle of like, how do I grab their attention? Don't go where their attention already is. That's that's gold. That's what I would say. And if you don't know, if you're like, I don't know what they're thinking about, go to where they hang out, go and like poke around a Facebook group that talks to them, go to some like bigger, Someone who has like a bigger audience than you, go through their comment section. What are people saying? Go through your testimonials and look at what people have said about what was going on when they decided to work with you. There's plenty of ways to tap into that. And I feel like it's almost thinking of it as your audience is like a stream and you're just like stepping into the stream that's already happening and just dipping your toes in, having that conversation, and then dipping back out. And like that's what content is. It's like, dipping in and out of that stream that's already there.
0: You make it sound so relaxing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, maybe that's what we need.
0: (laughs) It should be, right? I'm just imagining like a little picnic and you're at the stream with a little checkered blanket. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. (laughs) I'm totally calm now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) What are other... So that's one of the questions you asked. What are the other thoughts that you have when you're creating
1: content? I think playing with the idea of like, you know, nothing's permanent. Nothing has to be perfect. I am 100% a recovering perfectionist, still recovering, <laughs> probably always, and just reminding myself like if I have a typo, I can go in and fix it. I just edit it. If I have if somebody replies and says, "Oh, like but what about XYZ?" I can add that to my next post. And just again, when you think of it as a conversation that's ongoing as opposed to like slashes of ideas, it's just It's just a conversation. It can always continue. It can evolve. It can change. And just remembering that when you sit down, that like there's always more to be said, as opposed to putting pressure on, I have to come up with this amazing idea to share or this new way of thinking of things. Just literally think about what are the conversations I'm already having with my ideal clients and how can I just put that into a post or an email today?
0: Yeah, I love that. For anyone listening write down all of the thoughts. Like anytime you hear a thought in what we're saying that you're like, Ooh, that thought either calms me down or lights me up, write it down. And these are your copy thoughts. So I'm really big with my clients on having like a, a thought bank where you keep all your best thoughts nearby. So when you want motivation on demand, you just look at that list and you're like, I'm ready to go. This is we're giving you a thought bank here. <laughs> this is
1: great. <laughs> That's a brilliant idea. I need to make one of those. <laughs>
0: do it. Do it. It just, it basically just decreases the amount of time between you and getting started because you're just looking at what's already inspiring and motivating to you. And then you're like, Oh, okay. I'm ready to get into
1: action. Yeah. And I think that goes perfectly with content because you can, I think something I encourage people to do is don't just scroll aimlessly like. I know we like to say, Oh, I'm scrolling for inspiration, but actually pay like active attention. So like when you're scrolling, Ooh, that headline grabbed my attention or, Oh, like, I love how they phrased that. Have a little like bank, have a little document, a notes folder, wherever you track your ideas, just have a place that you can put that in. And it makes you, I mean, I don't know, Christina, you tell me like, (laughs) but (laughs) it makes Scrolling feel more productive because you're actually taking notes on what lights you up, what grabs your attention. And so when you sit down to create content, it's like, oh, how do I... What ideas can I pull for that I saw this week? Or like, what can I... And again, what can I add to the conversation?
0: I love that. And. Just for the record, as a procrastination coach, I'm not against scrolling. I'm only against (laughs) scrolling when you said you were going to do something else. (laughs) But Ah. I actually... (laughs) Good distinction. Yeah, exactly. I love the idea of paying attention when you're scrolling, but also tuning into your own body when you're scrolling and thinking about or just paying attention to what sensations do I have in my body? What emotions am I feeling as I read this copy? So sometimes you're going to read copy and you're going to be like, oh, wow, that... It energizes me. It makes me feel so good and empowered and amazing. You might have the opposite reaction as well, where you read it and you're like, oh, I don't know what it is, but something gross is happening for me. I do not like how this makes me feel. Like, I'll get that reaction sometimes when I read content that's like essentially telling me I've never had any success ever in my life and like I need the person that is offering the thing. I'm like, oh. That just makes me feel gross. So just paying attention to both positive and negative reactions to other people's copy, for sure.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I feel like... So we're talking about copy and messaging. Messaging, a part of it is how you want people to feel when they engage with your brand and with your offers. And like what's that lasting impression? And there's always that saying of like, people don't remember what you say, they remember how you made them feel. So going in with an intention of like, how do I want people to feel today? Inspired, empowered challenged to take action, forgiven for like past like missteps that they've made or things that didn't work out. Thinking about that is really powerful because that can spark some great ideas of like, what story do I want to tell today?
0: I love the forgiven one. That's super interesting. Like I always say that my clients are often paying penance for a past version of themselves. Like I work with procrastinators, obviously. So like the past version of you who procrastinated, you're like always trying to make up for that person's mistakes. So I love the forgiven one, especially. That's so neat.
1: It's a powerful one. It's a... When you start to see that people are leveraging forgiveness in their copy, you can't unsee it. But that's really what it is. It's because it's not like... I, the example you gave was perfect. It's like people are... They're taking those past missteps or like whatever they perceive as like a mistake that they made, they're bringing that with them into future decision-making. And it's like, if we can shed that before I introduce you to like the way I can help you, that helps people move forward that and like continue to make, you know, take action on their goals.
0: I literally just recorded a podcast episode called productivity baggage. And it's about exactly this, which is looking at what are all of the, perceived failures that you're carrying around from past buying decisions, investments, like all the hacks or tips or tricks that you've tried that you feel like you failed at and how are those feelings coming into your next investments. And so, yeah, I love this idea of like clearing out, forgiving, giving yourself grace, truly understanding those experiences so that you can move forward without feeling so heavy.
1: Yeah. It's a really important part of your coffee. Closer to the buying decision, closer to when somebody is like, I'm really close to working with you, but, and whatever that but is of like, oh, like I've already spent so much this year, or like I don't have the time, or like I really should be doing XYZ instead of working on this. That's where you can say, hey, like here's why that's okay. That's been
0: a big perspective change for me. And I'll give a lot of credit to one of my coaches, Stacey Bayman, about normalizing objections. Like everybody has objections. All the time, and as business owners, we can get really scared of that. Like, okay, well, if they have an objection, it means that they aren't the right fit; they don't want to buy. Versus being like, they're a human who, of course, has many, many, many thoughts about it, making their next investment. And it might not be the right thing for them to invest, but it might be, and they just have a little bit of thoughts that we need to work through. So, I love that idea of like, as a business owner, it's not dirty. I think you use the word icky in a recent post. It's not icky to address objections.
1: Yeah. And I have, I could go into, a, I could do a whole podcast episode about this because I feel so strongly that it's actually the ethical thing to do to prepare for objections, because that means you are preparing, preparing to help people make the best possible decision for them, preparing to be able to confidently say it, if this is the right next step for somebody, that's really what handling objections is about.
0: That's just a really good thought though. It's the ethical thing to prepare people for this decision. Yeah. And I think when you truly believe that, and you're really know that you're going to fight for their best interest, not for just the sale, then you have no issue working through objections. That's been my experience. 100%. Okay. We'll pause there on that topic, but we could, we can do another episode. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to share one of my best thoughts about copy because I was thinking about it before I asked you the question. And then I want to hear if you have anything else that comes up or I'll share two. One is I can say literally anything right now. And when I think that thought, I feel very relaxed. For me, it serves as a reminder that they just want to hear from me. They want to hear about what's in my brain today that relates to what's in their brain. and so. It takes the pressure off of me having to find the exact right thing to say. And I'm just like, yeah, any one of the 100 ideas that I have right now, that's the right thing. Any of them could work. So I love that thought. And then one of them, which I think you kind of alluded to as well, is this is one of 1,000 opportunities that I have to connect with them. And it just takes all the pressure off.
1: Yeah, I love that. And I I think... Just again, like just for pretending that your person is sitting across from you and like what comes up? If you had an ideal client in front of you today and you were just having a coffee chat, what would come up? Not just even related to your offer or your services, but like what's going on in their life overall? Because chances are, whatever you do, whatever you work on, there's, if you connect enough dots, it all connects, right? So, like, you know, running a business or, Hiring a VA, like, I don't know, hiring your first teammate, like there's always something that there's a way to connect to, oh, well, I offer services that help you stay organized and this could help your VA stay organized. You know, like there's just always a way. And I think just like letting, letting it free flow out of you and like not, I think there are some suggestions out there about like, oh, like you need a copy content pillars and you need like a framework to like stay consistent and for me, like, especially with messaging, it's just about thinking about what are like the top three themes that you like to touch on. For me, it's copy, messaging, and launching. And then I talk about how do people feel about that? What do they want to do with that? And like, just asking myself questions around those three things and just taking the pressure off completely about what it's supposed to look like. Because you're right, people just want to hear from you.
0: One of my goals with this episode is to really have people leave here being energized and inspired to create content and love it. I think we've given a lot of super powerful thoughts that people can enlist in order to make that happen. And when I say thoughts, I want you to think of it as it's becoming part of your belief system. So it's not just like an affirmation that you say to yourself, but it's something that you really practice believing fully and then embodying and then proving right for yourself. So I think we've given people a really good start here. But what else would you add if you were coaching somebody to have a content creation world that they love?
1: Yes. I love this. I actually created a post on this on Instagram. I wanted to pull it up because I feel like that has such a good answer.
0: Using her own content. Practicing what she preaches. I love it. I'm
1: repurposing. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Perfect. I said purpose. (laughs) The things I say are like, my messaging inspires others to reach for something new and beautiful. My messaging is a powerful expression of my values and beliefs. And that my message is enough as it is. I don't have to do anything more than just show up as myself. And I firmly believe that if I show up as myself, I can make money. I can hit my goals. I can be seen by the people who want to work with me and trusting them that's enough. And I know it's kind of cliche, (laughs) but it's true.
0: I love it. I think it can sound cliche on the surface, but I think if you actually dig into it, you're thinking about it's being yourself. What does that actually mean? Like for me, I'm like, it means expressing hot takes right? having controversial opinions. For me, it means getting super fiery and ranty when I'm passionate. So like be yourself on the surface can sound generic, but then you dig into it and you're like, oh, I'm a really interesting, complex human with a lot of different takes on the world. That's what we mean, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. And I just, when you're constantly remembering that like that is enough and then you get validated because, you know, you have a client sign up I always tell myself like, that's because I was myself. That's because when I see like a result that I want, I'm like, that's when you need to like almost reaffirm the belief of like, that's, see, that happened because I trusted my message. That happened because I showed up consistently and like connecting that good feeling to that belief I want to have because that's how it kind of stays true for me.
0: Okay, that right there. I'm like, are you a life coach too, secretly? (laughs) That is amazing. Undercover. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And like basically every every business owner is a coach in some way, shape, or form. I love it. That right there is going back. So what you're saying is you're collecting evidence and then you're articulating for yourself how that evidence validates your original belief, right? So my clients or anyone who's listened to the podcast for a while will totally understand this as thoughts, feelings, actions, results. So what you're saying is you're looking at your results and you're like, yep, I created this result because of this thought that I was choosing to think. Amazing.
1: And I just think that if you run your own business, if you have any kind of practice or habit of your own, like there's so much for you to share. And I think we, when we run in circles with other business owners, we take for granted that, you know, just like the ability to like express yourself and like come up with these ideas and, you know, just get your ideas out there. We really take it for granted, but it really is a big deal. So also just celebrating yourself and your ability to say, you know what, I'm going to share my thoughts and I'm going to put it out there in the world. And it's totally a vulnerable and open, but like celebrating that too. That's so powerful. Okay. So this has been so
0: valuable for the mindset behind content. I'm inspired. I want to go write content right now, but I'll finish this episode first. Um, I guess this is content for me. So there you go. (laughs) Okay. But I would love for us to talk for a few minutes about how to make this incredibly practical on a day-to-day basis for people. So to move from inspiration into action. What do you have to say about that?
1: It really depends on how your brain works. I know that for some people, having like a tangible framework to go off of is really helpful. I know some people like to go with the flow. I'm somewhere in the middle where I feel like I have a framework, but I don't use it. But it's good that it's there. So I'll go ahead and share it. (laughs) I feel like the framework is... I think the essential things to touch on in your content is you, your client, and your offer. You don't have to touch on all 3 in the same piece of content. But if you put it into different combinations, you can start to see how it's really fun. So if you just talk about you, you're sharing your story. If you talk about you and your offer, you're creating that kind of personal connection around the work that you do. If you talk about your client and your offer, you are creating that reason for them to buy because you're talking about what they need and their desires and how they can work with you. And you can see how if you start to just like play around and pair each one... You just come up with all these endless ideas. And I think also just getting clear on like your values and your vision for your clients in general. So, not like this is like your overarching brand. What do you want it to stand for? Think about GoPro, for example. GoPro is just a camera. But when we think of GoPro, we think of adventure, we think of those crazy canyons and snorkeling, and we think of like a bigger vision, right? So, thinking about What's that bigger thing I want my clients to feel or to aspire to or just like embrace when they are kind of in my reading my content or like talking to me and so on? So I think that's why I would say you, your client, your offer, and just play with that and see what comes up. One of the most tangible things I can tell you if you take away anything about, okay, how do I sit down and create content today? Go through your feedback forms, go through your testimonials. Go through because that's where you leave your mark. That's like your impact, right? Is that those feedback forms and look at what have people said about the value of working with you? What stands out to them? And how can you tell stories about your clients, yourself, or your offer by looking at your testimonial forms? That's what I would say. That's like the easiest low-hanging fruit, but highest impact content you can create.
0: I want to add in too that looking at your testimonials or your feedback forms serves another purpose, which is A, it gets you focused on your best fit clients who are very, very happy with your services. So it immediately takes your brain out of thinking about people who are going to be hard to work with or who don't truly want your service. And it gets you focused on people who already are pleased. So that's awesome and it just gets you inspired right like most people thrive off of that form of validation where you're reading it and you're like thinking back to working with that client you're like yes hell yes we did such amazing work together so you're writing from an inspired place
1: thank you that's exactly the like high level part that i missed but that's exactly it is that it gets you so uplifted and motivated and exactly you're speaking to those perfect fit clients because They literally bought from you. So like who could be better to take inspiration from? Absolutely.
0: I put mine into a rainy day file. That's what I call it. So like anytime I get a nice response on email, it goes right into my rainy day folder. And I'm like, okay, if I ever need to be inspired or if I ever want to pull for content, I go right into that. And I just see like, okay, who said amazing things about our work? So love that. I'll share some tactical strategies as well, just from the execution side. One thing that I love to do, and this works super well for me, is batching. So, creating a bunch of content at once. Like, I can sit down and knock out like eight emails in an hour. It's insane, but only because those ideas are, have fully marinated in my brain and they're ready to go. So, I won't write for a while, like two months, and then all of a sudden I'll be like, they're all ready, let's go. So, batching. I do that with social media posts as well. So just creating a bunch of drafts and then I'm set for two weeks. And then deep work. So you can do your batching within a deep work block. But when I say deep work, really taking the time to shut down all the notifications, the open tabs, right? Really, truly just focusing on the work at hand and knowing why you're doing it. So I always encourage my clients to have an empowering thought. So you can totally pull one of our empowering thoughts if that's helpful. And then I'll add in this last piece. This is one of my philosophies is project-based work. So when you know what project you're working on in an eight-week sprint, your copy becomes very obvious. So if you are just generally creating copy, it can feel overwhelming. But if you're like, I'm working on this eight-week podcast sprint, or I'm working on an eight-week ebook sprint or an eight-week launch sprint, then your copy tends to fall into place much more easily. So just let your copy be dictated by the project that you're working on in the given moment.
1: Yeah, I love all of those. And I also love you mentioned, I think on Instagram, about having all of your stuff next to you, (laughs) having your water, your snacks, and like creating that inspiring space. And for me, like... I really struggle with batching. I love the idea of it. But when I sit down, I just like the idea of like, oh, I have to pour everything out right now. But like I mentioned earlier, having that like ideas folder next to you when you start batching, that can help you like kick off ideas too.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I keep a ton of notes in Evernote. Like every time I have an idea, it goes straight into Evernote. And I just never worry about it getting published. I'm like, at some point, my thought is actually the best ideas resurface. So some of my ideas are never going to see the light of day, but the best ideas I totally trust, those will come back around. So that's important. And yes, it's called the deep work kit where you just keep all your supplies next to you so you don't have to be interrupting your deep work session in order to go gather things. Love that. Awesome. Okay. Thank you so much for joining. This was such a fun episode. I feel very inspired, like I said, and I think everyone else listening will also feel that way. How can people follow up with you?
1: Yeah, um, I would love to connect with you on Instagram. I'm at samanthahoylett.writes. I also have a email series called the Magnetic Messaging Mondays. So I send a weekly email series all about creating magnetic messaging and copy for your next launch.
0: Perfect. And so that's Hoylett, which is H-O-I-L-E-T-T, correct? That's right. (laughs) samanthahoylett.writes. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Half Finished to Done podcast. If you're ready to become a self-assured, repeat project finisher, the best place to work with me is in my 8-week group coaching program, Half Finished to Done Live. You'll leave our time together with one finished project and the skills you need to finish any project, personal or business, in the future. Just head to peakcoaching.co/hfdlive for your next step. Can't wait to work with you.